Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. No other quarterback in the league is under the scrutiny that he gets. It's just fact. I understand that people are still looking back to when he grabbed his junk in college against the other sideline or maybe said a couple things. But the way people talk about him, they talk as if he gets up on the podium or the press conference every day and just says, F all of you guys. He doesn't. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Stack in the box, July the 13th, football training camp right around the corner. Matt Verderam's returned to Stack in the Box also right around the corner. We're going big today as we're bringing in two guests from the big lead joining Stack in the Box for the first time. Ryan Phillips, Liam McEwen, both here. You might have hopefully at least seen them on Sport in Order and now here to talk some football with me. Gentlemen, I appreciate you taking time. Thank you. Always, Carm. Come on. We're here for you, buddy. This, this feels so different because before I'm in like show mode. Now I get to relax and talk stack in the box and have some football. Liam, you know, you don't have to give me 30 second answers here. This is a big deal for uh, this. This could uh, this is almost like doing the press pass podcast. It's very similar. Yeah, you're talking about adjusting. I'm going to have to lower my words per minute by like 30 percent to make sure I'm tell- intelligible for our listeners out there. Deep breaths well, and drop the heart rate, buddy. You're good. Yeah. So. Speaking of deep breaths, let's just look at what's going on in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers on a golf course and Charles Barkley and Brian Anderson and everybody asking him questions. Who's going to quarterback against the Bears? Who's going to be there September 12th when the season opens and he's just playing it coy. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's uh, when I figure it out. I, what's your guys' look as to what's going to happen here? Because I've been like, listen, the, the general stack in the box take for the record has been that he is going to come back. What else is he going to do? And but he looks like he's enjoying his life, just you know, throwing the football with Brady, little 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 pitch and catch, ride around in the golf course. I think he might be enjoying the drama here. But ultimately, do we not think that he's not going to be back in the green and gold? I think he's almost too far along to just all of a sudden relent and be like, oh, I'm just coming back. And here's the dangerous part for the Packers is that they need Aaron Rodgers far more than Aaron Rodgers needs them. He is, you said it, Carm, he's enjoying his life. He's chilling. He hosted Jeopardy. Maybe he'll get another game show opportunity to guest on. He's hanging out with his fiance out in California. He's loving it, man. And you know what he's not doing? He's not getting beat up. I mean, maybe he just says, I'm done here. I don't care. Maybe he comes back. I'm not saying he doesn't come back, but I think that we're taking a lot of people just saying, oh, he's eventually going to come back. It's like, what does he have to lose by not doing? He's rich. He's not, it's not like he's playing for the money anymore. He's yeah, but, playing for a championship. And if he doesn't think they can get there, you know, why, why, why come back and, and risk any injuries or anything, especially with his fiance in his ear, probably being like, you don't need football. Like you're good. And he's got that perspective. Now I think it's different. I think this is a different approach than we've seen before from players. So, so you're saying, and Liam, feel free to jump in here. You're saying that a dude who, has spent his whole life playing the game of football, who can only do it for a finite period of time, who's also getting paid. Now, he probably, I'm sure he doesn't need the money. That's another 40 million bucks, you know, that you can 
donate to charity if you'd like. I mean, there's a million things you could, or hey, let's put it to the the Carm Fund. Whatever's going on here, I what to to do what to hang out. Like you're going to hang out the rest of your life. Don't you want to squeeze as much juice out of the lemon as you can here? I mean, I think, you know, Ryan has a point about the money aspect of it. And that's why I think that the only legitimate option other than I think the likely option is that he renegotiates his contract to get a bunch of money this year. And with like a wink, wink, nod, nod agreement that the Packers will trade him next off season. Otherwise he's going to make it even bigger stink than he did this off season. But I don't think that we should discount the possibility that he is, as Ryan is saying, a little done with football for now, he could retire and he would have to give up his roster bonuses um, and his uh, salary for the year, but he would avoid getting fined every week for missing work. And the Packers would have to come after him in some sort of litigative format to get his signing bonus back. And they would probably rather not do that than, you know, they don't want to get into a court battle with Aaron Rodgers. And so that is an option that tells them that he's really serious about this. That I think is the only way that he truly forces a hand with a trade here is he retires and he's like, either figure out a trade for me before week 13, which is the deadline for unretired player for retired players to unretire and be able to play or figuring it out next off season, or I'm done. They have a bunch of dead money on their books, even though he retired I don't think it's likely, but I think it's certainly something that's on the table for him. But we also are a little bit over two weeks away from doomsday here. July 28th, first day of training camp. If Rodgers is there, all is well. If Rodgers is not there, that's when the fines start rolling in. That's when this becomes public. That's when this becomes ugly. And from the lack of noise from both camps overall over the last couple months, I think public and ugly is the last thing either side wants. So I think that this gets resolved in the next two weeks ultimately, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rogers takes a drastic measure. I do not think that he's just not going to show up and we're not going to hear anything. Yeah. One last thing. I'm not saying that the most likely scenario is Aaron Rodgers stepping away from football. I'm saying, I think people are discounting that possibility and just being like, he's coming back. You know, I think there is a possibility that he's done. I think that it's too late for some kind of blockbuster trade. Like the Denver Broncos made the most sense. Denver Broncos are ramping up to go with Teddy Bridgewater or drew lock. I mean, they're they're, they they wanted it months ago. They kind of have had to move on. There is a very real possibility. He renegotiates his deal as Liam said, and they basically get a let's run it one more time. And then you'll have a contract for a couple of years. You can go play elsewhere. Something like that. I can see that happening or they make a long-term commitment to him. Say Jordan love is not the future. You are. If those things change, yeah, I can see Aaron Rodgers back. I think both sides are so dug in. I don't see a massive change coming. And so I think we have to consider the possibility that this just doesn't get resolved. And as Liam said, Carson Palmer retired from the Cincinnati Bengals when he said, you need that offensive lineman or trade me and, and you're not protecting me. They called his bluff and he retired and then got traded out out West. So I think that there's a possibility of something like that going down because both sides are so dug in here. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably wrong to just completely rule it out and think that logically he's going to go back to Green Bay and give it one more spin and ride out or right off into the sunset as, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback or second greatest quarterback, wherever you want to rank him with Favre in, in Packers history. It makes me actually think about Jordan 98 as I try to bring back everything to, to, to MJ the whole year in 98. If Phil's not the coach, I ain't playing. I'm like, dude, he's serious. You're, you're going to have to work this out. He is going to cut off his nose to spite his face. Like, I believed him. And so it's not like athletes don't do it. They do it all the time. But look, and 
you're you're right there. Your final four NFL team. You're you should have. I, I know it sucks losing to Brady, and maybe you're blaming the organization that you only have one, and Brady's considered the goat, and you think you're better than him. Like I think a, at least some of it is laced in that. But what are your options here? Uh, I, I I can't imagine that he that it's going to feel great for him just to you know what I'm just going to sit out this year and and maybe I'll come back. Bottom line, also, it would just it would it would suck if that's how he goes out. End of the day, I mean, one hundred percent, that would be the worst. Yeah, for sure. Outcome. I think I think we all want to see him close it out with the team that he's always been with. You know what I mean? I think that's that's a big reward for sports fans is watching guys spend their whole career with one place. I think he's going to play beyond this contract anyway. It just seems like that if he's back next year, I think he 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 goes somewhere else eventually. He's uh, you know, and I think that he's more he feels more free to do that. Let's everybody's so tight-lipped about this stuff. It's very annoying for us sports media types who feast off of the rumor mill is that nobody knows anything about what either side's true opinion on it is. The closest we've gotten was James Jones on the Colin Coward show like three or two months ago now, I think. And he said something along the lines of like he's been it's been a building unhappiness with the way that the Packers relentlessly move on from guys that he considered friends and contributors, but that's not something that you can fix with one offseason. And he also complained about all this after free agency and on the eve of the draft before the Packers could be like, okay, how about we do these personnel moves to fix it? So it's just, I don't know. I just don't know. I think, I don't think he's done with football. I don't think he's going to retire. I don't actually think that's, you know, a true possibility there, but I mean, what are, you know, what are his other options? Like you said, Mark, like, is he really just going to cut it after one tough loss? Doesn't sound like a competitor to me. Yeah, the dogs of war. Our Cleveland uh, Browns podcasters are coming up in a little bit here, but uh, let's. Uh, I guess we'll move on from Aaron, even though I find the whole thing completely fascinating. And do you I do a whole show on it? I mean, he. It's really his. I would love to put him in the lie detector test. Do you think you're better than Tom Brady? You know he does, right? 100%. How many? How many? How many Super Bowls would you have won if you had been playing with Bill Belichick in New England? Ten. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. I, I guess we don't need to do that because I just feel like that's exactly what he'd say. So uh, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be on Hard Knocks. Does this excite you guys? I thought it was a great pick, quite frankly, given everything they've been dealing with. Uh, I, I think that there's so much to mine from there. Uh, I actually wrote about it uh, when they the day they announced it. Like they have so many good storylines there. I think it's fun, but it's, I'm, and I will hand up tired of the Cowboys. Constantly, of course. Of course. <laughs> I, I think obviously having Jerry Jones on camera as much as possible is great news for everybody. He's going to say something really weird, perhaps a little sexual at least twice. And we're all going to have a lot of fun with it. You have Dak, you have Zeke, you have a lot of interesting characters on this team, but it's just like, Oh my God, I hear about the Cowboys every day. They are the off-season mind from which all football-centered shows mind content from. It's going to be fun. I don't think I would have picked any other team if you had that decision up to me because, obviously, it's the Cowboys. It's America's team. They have a lot of very interesting storylines. It's a huge season for them. But also, I've heard enough Cowboys for my entire life over the last two years. Well, well, Dak, let's just start at the quarterback here. Dak is very professional, not going to get himself in trouble in most situations, but maybe with the cameras, you know, behind, you know, doing their hard knock stuff, we're going to get something on deck where he perhaps, I don't know, shows a side of him. Like, did, are like, does that interest you that maybe we'll learn something about deck or is it completely elsewhere? What's your, like, what's your favorite storyline that's coming to mind here? 
I do like the Dak story of like the comeback. Like, I think that's, they're going to show highlights from his rehab, like how, what he changed, how he's going to be different. Is he going to run as much, you know, after getting hurt? Also, finally, he has security. He got that massive contract, 126 million guaranteed. What's, how's that changing his life? All that stuff. Cause Dak has a really interesting personal backstory and journey. That's going to be cool to explore. I think my favorite storyline though, and they have to address this is Mike, is Mike McCarthy on the hot seat? Because nobody liked that hire when it was made other than Jerry Jones. He hired Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator who had a disastrous season. He's not a creative, like, you know, agent of change offensively. He's not like this guy that's going to set like the trend in football is to get these new, smart, dynamic young guys. And that's not Mike McCarthy. And, and so it'll be interesting that like that going into the season, like if they have another bad season where they went six and 10 last year, I know they lost Dak, but things didn't look good in any way for the Cowboys last year. If they don't do well this year, is he going to get fired for uh, uh, the new hot young thing? I think that's a fascinating storyline to follow and maybe like ask Mike McCarthy directly about it. Like how secure do you feel? How good do you have to be this year to feel safe? You worried about your job, dude? Yes. No, I'm not. Cause I've made umpteen million dollars and if they <laughs> fire me, they fire me. If they don't, they don't. But do I think I could lose my job? Yeah, maybe I could. From an outsider's perspective, the best job in the world is a sports as a coach who got fired. You're just getting paid millions of dollars to sit around with it. The stress difference there is just like, oh my God, it's huge. On a related note, in terms from like a football nerd's perspective, I think, you know, zooming in on Dan Quinn and how he interacts with the important defenders on this defense is going to be really interesting because the Cowboys, you know, when you look at the numbers overall, they weren't as bad as you thought they'd be. They were terrible in the rush game. They gave the 31st, 31st most yards per game on the ground in the NFL. Overall, they were 28th yards per game. Actually had an okay pass defense outside of three-week stretch where they gave up over 1,000 yards, 11th best in the league. But they also played six games against three teams with arguably the worst offenses in the NFL that weren't designed by Adam Gase and didn't reside in Jackson. So, I mean, that's, that's the make or break for this team is this defense. And, Dan, they're not going to show us anything, like, actually interesting behind the scenes in that aspect because it's still an NFL Films production and there's only so much they can give us there. But insofar as how well these players are accepting and implementing this scheme is going to be really, really important because as good of an offense as the Cowboys could have, it's a lot to expect them to hit the ground running. Dak literally snapped his leg in half like last year. It's unreasonable to expect him to be as on fire as he was to start 2020 immediately out of the gate there but i mean from an entertainment perspective i just wanted to see cd lamb he seems like a fun guy number one and he also seems like the kind of guy who does all these like crazy ball tricks on the sidelines and nobody's looking and i'm sure his practice real catches are more impressive than most of the nfl's regular season highlight catches well one more thing about dan quinn i think that's a really interesting aspect liam the last two years he was a defensive coordinator were 2013, 2014. He took the, the Seattle Seahawks were led by their defense and went to the Super Bowl in both of those years, led by the Legion of Boom. This guy's a really good defensive coordinator. He went to Atlanta, led them to a Super Bowl. Obviously, they fell apart against your boys in, in, in the Super Bowl. But he's a really good defensive coordinator, and the Cowboys got him. Can he, you know, can lightning strike twice? Can he build that magic? Can he build a great secondary? Can he build a great defensive line? that can be capable of taking a team to a Super Bowl. It's going to be really interesting because was that, we'll finally find out, was that Pete Carroll with that magic on defense or was it Dan Quinn doing a lot of work there? There also might be a very slight talent differential in the Cowboys secondary versus the Seattle secondary. This it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> 
just for the record, if uh, as people are listening right now, who is Ryan? Who is Liam? You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, Ryan goes by at rumors and rants. Liam is at Liam underscore McEwen, M C K E O N E. And you guys have, how long have you been with the big lead now? Both of you superstars. I've been, I've been there since 2016, January of 2016. So. I've been there since 2019. Mm-hmm. I've shed the new guy label though. It only took 16 yeah. months or so, but it's some been, days, some days, most days. Yeah. Well, it, it's I, the new guy is, is a great place to be. You got, uh, I mean, you got to prove yourself, but there's like less pressure. These guys, you know, these are seasoned vets. They got to come. You, you're, you can be a little bit more of a wild card. You can have outlandish takes that people will still be like, yeah, you know, I think this Liam's uh, got to get uh, strong likelihood to be a success, even though he said something completely ridiculous, which doesn't really happen for you, Liam, for that matter. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're an on point guy. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, being, let's do some on point. Who, who's your pick in the NFC since we're talking about the Cowboys? I, I kind of like the Cowboys because they're they're way more talented than everybody, I think, in my opinion. I think Washington was kind of a fluke. I think they still have issues at quarterback. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan there. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick's gonna come in and change that room too much. Um Daniel Jones at the Giants, I mean, who knows what they've got there. And I think I think Prescott's going to be good. Prescott, Prescott was on pace to set records before he broke his ankle last year. So I think that that offense can really do some things. If they are marginally better defensively, I think they win the division. I love the football team. Hopefully soon to be Washington Sentinels. Listen to the most recent episode of Sport in Order to hear my take on that. But Ryan Fitzpatrick admittedly has his flaws. But would you rather have a quarterback – who knows what throw to make but can't make it, or the quarterback who's most of the time knows what throw to make and can make it but sometimes will make the wrong throw. Washington football team had a bunch of guys go through that under center last year who could knew what throw to make but they couldn't make it. You know, God love Alex Smith. His arm and mobility was completely gone by the time he was starting. Taylor Henneke, very fun story. That kid, you know, he's brand new in the league. You know what throws to make. Ryan Fitzpatrick has the arm ability to hit all three levels of the field. And he knows most of the time what the right throw to make is. But it's less about that and more about the fact that that defense is friggin' legit. I firmly think that that is going to be the best defensive line in the NFL next season. They are a team that is built not only to win grinded out football games, but they can force the other team to get into a grinded out football game. Not a lot of teams have the capability to be both. And I think the Washington football team has that. And then you pair that with Ron Rivera. He loves his underdog mentality stuff. All anybody has been, will be talking about is the Cowboys, what kind of season they're going to have. And I just think, I think the Washington has just enough talent on offense and overwhelming amount of talent on that defensive line to win 10, 11 games and come away with that division title. However, the Cowboys, if they hit the ground running, it's all that. But I don't think they're going to hit the ground running. I think they're going to struggle for at least the first half of the year. The Washington football team is going to be rock solid from day one. I think the division is theirs. Let's take our first time out on Stack in the Box. We're coming back with Dogs of War. We're looking at should the uh, – is Baker Mayfield basically going to work out in Cleveland? I want to hear their thoughts if, if this is going to be – how this will end for the Browns, who are uh, sort of, I guess, America's darlings right now. Could be a big year in Cleveland for the Cleveland Browns. Quick time out on Stack in the Box. Back in a minute. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. 
Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. We continue on into the future. We go Dogs of War. That's right, D-A-W-G-S, the great podcast on your Cleveland Browns. Raleigh and Kevin joining me here as we look at I'm going to call them the darlings of the NFL right now. Everyone loves the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Raleigh, appreciate you making time. How do you, how do you feel about that? There's a, there's an expectation. There's a love. There's an, a respect for the Browns that hasn't been around for, I don't know, what, two decades? Maybe a whole franchise's career, however long you want to put it. Well, first off, Mark, thanks for having us. Uh, secondly, I thought you were calling us the darlings of the NFL. I'm like, sick, Kevin, we made it. Um, expectations, expectations as a sort of a seasoned slash jaded Browns fan, try not to get too caught up in the hype. Luckily our emotional, what do you call it? Level doesn't really affect how these guys are going to play or not play. But I think what drives, what gives me the most confidence is one, they've shown that they have the ability to win a playoff game Two three, four, five, and six is that we have the same head coach, same general manager, same quarterback, and pretty much the same roster for the back-to-back years, which for many teams that may not seem like that big of a deal, but for us, that's like that's like the equivalent of back-to-back Super Bowls. So I'm pretty jacked. You, you sound borderline emotional here, Raleigh. This is like, it's, it's like a whole new land. Like, I don't know, you've, you like, you've birthed the football team. Am I, yeah. Kevin, am I going too far here? Is this, uh, is this the normal emotions of, that Raleigh brings to the table when the football no, team is talk? That's pretty spot on. And as Raleigh said, thanks for having us, guys. Really appreciate it. As for expectations, we fell into that hole two years ago. You know, the first year we had Odell and we had Freddie coming in as coach. Obviously, that season did not work out well at all. So I think the team and the fans are all very safe to say that we're not falling for that again. We've already been there, done that. So all the outside expectations could be what they are, but we're just going to stick to our game um, and not worry about any of the outside noise. We'll get to the rundown that has been exquisitely put together, exquisitely put together. But I just, since you mentioned Freddie, can I get a favorite Freddie moment? Because Freddie is just, he's as good as it gets. Let's be honest. That was, that was straight wild, terrible football coach entertainment I, i'd sign up for that again but of course i'm not you know a diehard browns fan yeah favorite freddie moment something in the first season um or the first half of the season he was a guy that you really did want to love and he was just kind of in over his head i don't know one of his probably one of his uh press conferences where he had like he had so many freddie lines whoop de hell I haven't heard somebody say whoopty hell since I don't know ever. I would say at the at the Adam Baker's rookie year when he just started calling all sorts of crazy shit and can we swear in here, sorry. Yeah, you're and, good. And and just throw out a bunch of random plays. As Baker's looking good. So my favorite Freddie was before he was head coach, the last few months of that that first season. Fourth and nine draw play was pretty yeah. <laughs> from like an irony standpoint. Never mind. Go ahead. I, I just love when people get put into positions. Clearly, you don't belong here. Somebody really liked you. You're out over your skis. You're doing the best you can. Anything's possible at any moment. But all right, here, let, let's, uh, let's look at your quarterback situation. 
the question is this: D- Does signing Baker Mayfield to an extension does that does that in essence bind you to middle of the NFL because he's never going to be elite? Uh, that might be unfair to Baker, but he's he's been bad. He's been good. We're putting him right in the middle. Does that feel like a fair question to you guys? I don't think so. <laughs> I think first off, like when you're, how do you say this? The Browns for the past half a century or so have been going through kind of a struggle at the quarterback position, but I would say they haven't really had a quarterback issue. They've had an organization issue, head coach, ownership, management have been a dumpster fire and to get thrown into that. It's like, it's like the sports equivalent of getting dropped on Omaha beach, maybe an aggressive analogy, but when you go through what four head coaches and 2.4 years um, for the Browns and to be standing afterwards, like a lot of quarterbacks, I don't know if Lamar Jackson, I don't know if Deshaun Watson, I don't know if uh, what's his name. Bill's quarterback are going to survive that. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I, I had Mike Ditka on last week and I, and I asked him, Hey, if you had drafted Dan Marino in 1983 and not Willie Galt and I'm going back in time here, but uh, you know, how many Super Bowls would you have won? And by the way, the, the bears arguably greatest defense of all time. It's like, I, you know, if we had, if we had used him right, like, and that's just, he, they were set up to use him right. You're talking about just a complete disaster situation that there's no way you can succeed. So I just thought it was interesting. Like there's the chance that we could add Marino and messed it up. Um, Kevin, what do you, so are you both equally optimistic than Kevin? Like sign Baker. He's the guy he's going to lead us period. You know, people keep extending these goalposts season after season, or even month after month There's certain people on TV, on the radio, who a year or two ago, it was, well, we just need Baker to be competent. We just need Baker to be a system quarterback. Now it's, well, Baker, you know, he's not as good as Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady, so why sign into a, a monster extension? No other quarterback in the league is under the scrutiny that he gets. It's just fact. I understand that people are still looking back to when he grabbed his junk in college against the other sideline or maybe said a couple things, but the way people talk about him, they talk as if he gets up on the podium or the press conference every day and just says, F all of you guys. He doesn't. He really doesn't. Let's look at a few things. Um, second half of last season, higher grade than Mahomes. First playoff start. First playoff game we've had in 50, 50 years. In Pittsburgh. Uh, 21 for 34, three touchdowns, 263 yards. Uh, he was the fourth highest graded quarterback in the fourth quarter overtime last year. Um Outside of Rodgers and Mahomes, he was the only other quarterback last season to have four or more games of the grade of 90 or higher. I mean, his first year, yeah, whatever. We, the end of the year, we caught some fire. We had that season with Freddie, and we had Stefanski come in. Halfway through the year, when he finally got used to his 12th system in two years, he started ascending. We're going into his fourth year. It's the first time since, I think, even back to 2015 or whenever he was with Stoops, that he's had the, second, the same coach two years in a row. Again, I think because of fantasy football, because of Sports Center, because of Instagram, like I said on our podcast, if a quarterback isn't doing Mahomes stuff, the no look passes are doing backflips over the line, then they're automatically, you know, not worth some extension. Uh, we got our guy. We went to a playoff game. We won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. Cleveland folks, you know, it's one thing for the outside people to say something if they want to, whatever. We don't care about that. But, We've been looking for a quarterback for 
decades now. We've gone through 50 of them. We have one that came in and said, I'm going to turn this franchise around, which is the impossible thing to do. Uh, he's on his way right now to doing that. So, yes, are we going to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league? Probably not. But, yeah, this is our guy. He's a Cleveland dude now. We're riding with him. If I checked the tape, you wouldn't say anything like this about Johnny Manziel, would you? Oh, my God. I, I knew that was stupid when they drafted him. Like, if you're – all he was doing was throwing 50-50 balls to Mike Evans his whole college career. You can't do that in the NFL. And, I mean, there was nothing that – Johnny gave us nothing to work with. Johnny gave us nothing to – it was kind of like at one point, because Cleveland, I mean, we're going to protect our own until we, until we absolutely can't anymore. It was like, <laughs> dude, Johnny, help us help you, man. Like, please, God, just do something that we can stand out and help you out here with. But, yeah, no, sneaking to Vegas in a disguise in the middle of the night before a game doesn't really bode well for that. Yeah, that, that was uh, – talk about bizarre entertainment. He was certainly in the uh, top of the team photo for that one. So, the over-under for the Browns is, is 10. You look at the schedule and – that's probably not the greatest way to go about things on July 13th. Cause a zillion things can change, but it looks doable. Uh, but I don't want to take, go you too far here. If you had to bet, if you take, uh, put your most realistic hat on 10 over under, what are you betting on the Browns? I'm going, I've been saying 10 and seven for a while. I'm right from, there with 10 and seven from like a superstitious standpoint or like, a what will actually happen standpoint. I, I have this like psychotic mentality where if I set my expectations and say 11 and they go like six wins, I'm like, yeah, that's my fault because I came on the stack in the box podcast and made that prediction. I think they should be getting more than 10 wins. It's just really, really hoping that, you know, they go undefeated for back-to-back years with this roster. So, Raleigh, did you see the video that Fansided did in the I'm, – I'm doubting that, but there's a 1% chance, I suppose, when we went to the Browns parking lot and tailgated with you all and gave you the fans <laughs> of, the, of the year? Not let me tell you – let, let, no, it was a couple of years back. Let me tell you something. I have never experienced anything like I experienced in that parking lot, and we've gone to a lot of parking lots, but you all are straight crazy, completely hammered, uh, and – have characters that it was right after by their their own 16 season so I, you know no one should have been there really i mean let's i you know i i i'm all for the diehards but this wasn't you know this was like beyond impressive the loyalty and the buses the this the that the the jello shots we ran into one dude who i don't think he's ever been sober in his life it was amazing it was it was truly the greatest fandom i've ever been around they were they were so impressive so when i described the muni lot the muni lot you're yeah. in the people yeah, I tell them that well, I tell them two things. First, one, you're going to see things you've never seen before in your life. And two, you got to think you're going into almost like a third world country because you're going to see things. I mean, people get married in the Muni lot on Sundays. It's absolutely insane. Um, and then you got to wonder because you've seen the people in the Muni lot. These are, I mean, these are our people. Those are the Browns people, you know, out to the death. But there's you look around, you're like, where do these people go when it's not? a Sunday Browns home game. Like right. these people, some of these people like, there's no way they have like jobs or like they just like disappear back into the ground until the next home game. So it's incredible. But I'm glad you guys enjoyed your time. I do want to, I think there could be a documentary on where people keep their school buses slash half limousines that are brown and orange. Like, do you just keep that in your driveway? Like, where yeah. does that so, go year round? So we, we, 
Cleveland and Buffalo were very similar. You know, we we got love for the Bills, Bills Mafia. Pretty safe to say, vice versa. But the Bills are a little further ahead than the Browns in the last few years. So the Bills Mafia and their tailgates have been getting a little more love, you know, publicity wise, which makes sense. But once the rest of the nation gets a little more of a taste of that Muni lot and the Browns pregame stuff, uh, it's going to be a no contest anymore. Yeah, I, I, it was it was awesome. Hey, we got like four minutes here, so I'm going to run through these real quick. Give me your best takes on what do you think Odell's future is with the Browns? A lot has been said about, you know, is Baker better quarterback with or without Odell? The fact of the matter is Baker in that bye week last year is when him and Stefanski sat down and they ironed everything out, and then he had the season that he had after that. Odell wasn't there for that. Who knows what would happen if he was there? The fact of the matter, Odell Beckham is one of the best athletes pound for pound on the planet. Um, it remains to be seen, you know, what's going to happen when he gets fully ingrained here with Stefanski system to answer your question, long story short, I can't wait to see what happens. He's here until at least that, that trade deadline. I can't imagine a scenario where we just get rid of him though. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to watch him big, make some magic this happen. Make some magic this season. Excuse me. Let's, let's go Odell. It's, it's, he's got a lot on the line for his own future. There's no doubt about that. Big time. Uh, what any any training camp battles that excite you, Raleigh? Um, probably the we were talking about this a little bit before the show, like where the uh, the most uh, what do you call it? The fight for making the roster, probably D line and linebacker. Um, Jordan Elliott is the only returning uh, interior defensive lineman I think they have from last year. Uh, since they've got rid of uh, Ogan Joby and Sheldon Richardson, it's kind of bummed about Richardson, but they have like uh, 15 guys in the locker room on that D line. Um, I'm excited to see who's going to get that starting spot on the interior D line, but also I mean, they can rotate um, a lot of these guys on the interior. Um, I have no idea. They just have so many bodies and there's no real glaring weaknesses on the roster that I'm seeing for the first time in, Certainly our lifetime, yeah. But I'd like to see how they're going to use JOK, who's going to get the starting spot, or they're going to rotate him between safety and linebacker. Um, I'm hoping to see Billings and uh, Andrew Billings, who uh, opted out due to COVID last year, and Jordan Elliott uh, for that interior spot. Really, it's defense is probably the biggest question mark because we didn't really have much of one last year. Um, you could go through every position on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? I was just because I know we got to be short and sweet here. I'm going to say Mac Wilson. I want to see what happens in the linebacker room. Mac Wilson has been the biggest question mark and the one that everyone's waiting to see what happens in training camp. So I want to see what 5-1 can do in training camp if he, you know, can make the team and really who wants it the most out of that linebacker group. Gentlemen, you're awesome. Let's do this again during the season. The Browns are going to be a huge story. Your podcast is sweet. People should be spending at least some part of their week checking out Dogs of War. So uh, I, I love the passion. Appreciate, appreciate you guys it. making time. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Bringing back in Liam and Ryan as we go to In or Out. Gentlemen, your first time ever on In or Out. This is uh, exciting stuff here. We got four topics for you. So the XFL. They're shooting for a comeback in 2023. They're trying to partner with the CFL in or out. Will they succeed on their third try? Liam, what do you got? 
I'm out, man. I mean, the XFL was fun. There was a novelty to it. I personally enjoyed watching the first four weeks of that season. It was very interesting. It was a cool experiment. Nobody else cares. The first week had averaged 3 million viewers over the course of however many games they played. By week five, just over a month later, the last game before the pandemic shut everything down, they didn't even peak past a million viewers in any individual. The quality of the football was surprisingly good. It was, again, you know, I like football, so I was going to watch it. But, I mean, between the fact that people already know what the deal is here, so the novelty aspect is sort of worn off, there also has been an undeniable hit on sports viewership and sports ratings as a whole as a result of the pandemic. And this is still a couple years off. Maybe things steady up by then. But, I mean, even the NBA is still trying to figure out how to balance out their viewership numbers after it went down the absolute tubes during the worst of the pandemic. So I don't see I don't see this succeeding. I see it being fun for a little bit. The thing with the CFL is already iffy. It's uh, I, I just don't know. I want it to be successful. I don't think that there's enough novelty aspects to it for people to be interested in on a weekly basis. I mean, for for the record, I'm out. I, I'm I'm burnt out of, of football by that time. I'm ready for let let me get to the juice of the NBA season. Let me get geared up for baseball, but. I just want to throw in there as a kid, when the USFL was kicking the Chicago blitz, they were sweet. I was fully in. I loved the blitz. I Herschel Walker was playing in the USFL. You had Jim Kelly in the, they, the, the USFL had something going on. I, I, I don't know if that could ever be duplicated. The, the XFL is like, it just, there's something that it just, it doesn't, I, I don't The USFL felt real. Like the XFL just feels like a complete sideshow. I don't know. Where, where are you at on this one, Ryan? Uh, I'm in under one condition. Well, a couple conditions. Let's, let's be real. It's me. I'm never going to come up with one. I'm a little loquacious here. Uh, they need to pitch themselves as a minor leagues. If they pitch themselves as a minor leagues where you can come okay. discover your next star, that could work instead of trying to be, we're the NFL in the spring. And, and the other thing they need to do is they need to go to cities that do not have NFL teams and play in stadiums that are smaller. There is nothing worse than a massive empty stadium. Go to places with MLS stadiums that are much smaller. You might be able to get some juice in the stadium like that uh, or minor league baseball, you know, like whatever, find smaller stadiums to house fewer people, try and aim for that 10 to 20,000 fans. So it actually feels like an atmosphere in a smaller stadium and pitch yourself as we're going to find the next stars. We're going to find the next guys who are going to be returning kicks for your NFL team or are going to be the third wide receiver is going to catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl to win your team a title. Like that's what they need to be. And I feel like every time they try and do this, they're like, we're on par with the NFL. It's like, no, you're not. And you never will be because the best players go to the NFL and always will. There's also the, the you know, the older guys trying to hang on the names you remember all of that stuff needs to happen. Or maybe they work out a loan agreement where the third quarterback on whatever team who's basically just holding the clipboard all year gets to go start for an XFL team for a year, for off season show what he has. That that's kind of a great, could be, that kind of stuff could be interesting. That's a great idea. Hey, we want you to go play in the XFL this year. If you, and how do you make a radio ad for an 8k TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. I doubt that they would ever have that level of partnership because the NFL is too competitive, but that would be interesting. 
and like loan like you loan your player out to them for three months or whatever to get some work right and if you're the nfl like look you're the NFL. You don't need to worry about competition. Certainly not from the XFL, who's playing in a different season. And maybe that just continues to promote football year-round, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Now people are talking about, did you see the third-string quarterback on the Chargers look good here? That gets you excited. Now all of a sudden there's more conversation. It wouldn't be terrible. Uh, so, all right, we're split on this one. Uh, let's go. Look, let's look at Denver. Von Miller, he's saying the Broncos are fielding the best team that he's been on in a long time. Broncos in the playoffs, in or out? Ryan, go first. I'm out. Uh, they got the Chiefs. The Chargers, it pains me as a San Diego native to say, the Chargers have a fantastic roster and a rising quarterback. And the Raiders have the opportunity to at least go 8-8, eight and eight to, between 8-8 eight and eight and 10-6. and six. If they do that and those teams play the way they're supposed to, the Broncos are not going to win enough games to make the playoffs if they're constantly get, getting beat up. They're in a division that will eat, it, eat itself, essentially. I agree. The Broncos are better than they have, and that roster is better. You're also relying on Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater to get you to the playoffs, and that has not been a working formula for teams, uh, for, for Denver so far or for the teams that Teddy Bridgewater has played for. So I think that it's just they're going to get chewed up in that division, and I think that their their offense is not going to be stellar given their quarterback options. Are San Diego Chargers fans rooting against the LA Chargers? That yes, they are in on mass. Yeah, I'm, they, yeah, okay. They they abandoned us for a rival city, Carm. We hate them now. We, you, we okay. Passion, from my understanding. Yeah. So so do you so you root for no NFL team? I root for whoever is playing the Chargers, Carm. I have thirty one oh new God. favorite teams. That sucks. That so yeah. sucks. It's the worst. Yeah, you know what? It's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Speaking I, I, from having worked with Ryan for a couple of football seasons now, he takes a lot of pleasure in rooting against those teams. So it's not like he hasn't completely abandoned his football fandom. Vindictive yeah. passion. Well, and, and I think as you get older in life, at least for some, you sort of, I don't know, you I hate to say this, but you sort of lose fandom. Like you become this like – older more morose person and you and you don't get you don't live and die although i'm looking at both of you and you're staring back at me like what well, no, the I'll, fuck are you talking i'll about? tell you this my sundays are way more fun than they were when they were here i will tell yeah. you that because that franchise is so poorly run that i dealt with crap for a long long time and so i honestly i'm a lot happier with them not in my life <laughs> and i'm cool with it are you i'm happy for you uh, are you are you in or out on on the on the Broncos being in the playoffs, Liam? Let me tell you, Mark. I am super in on Von Miller saying this is the best team he's been on in a long time. I am not super in on the Broncos making the playoffs. It's like what Ryan said, man. If you're in a division with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr, you cannot have a bad quarterback. I do not think Terry, Teddy Bridgewater is good. Drew Locke is objectively bad. Teddy Bridgewater maybe catches an unfair amount of flack, all things considered. But he's not going to go out and win you football games. You need at least somebody in that top, top 15 quarterbacks in the league range to even have a hope of keeping pace with th all three of your divisional rivals. So that's six games out the window because there's no chance. Even I mean, the Broncos have some good talent at the skill positions. I'm not going to be unfair, but it's not great. Cortland Sutton had one great year. Now he's coming off a torn ACL, I believe. Noah Fant is an athletic big tight end, and those always theoretically seem great, but very few of them actually are great running backs. It's a big, you know, it's a rotation. They're big free agent signing from last year. Melvin Gordon is slowly getting edged out. It's, I don't know. There's just nothing to like about this team other than the defense. I think the defense is going to be frightening with Vic Fangio having everybody settle in another year. They finally have 
a fully realized Bradley Chubb alongside a classic Vaughn Miller season. Maybe they stay in games, but they essentially have at least four, if not six losses on the schedule as virtue of where they are playing. And I, that's obviously a really difficult handicap to get past in order to make the playoffs and what is turning out to be a pretty competitive AFC. My advice for Denver, call Green Bay every single day. I don't care where you're at in, in as far as you think it's too late. Just, just, just try to get them in a moment of weakness. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Every day. And maybe one day the, the Packers will just be, you know what? We, fine. We're, we're done with Aaron. Here you go. And then I'll be in on the Broncos being a playoff team. But until then, I'm out. Uh, two more. The Bills should make Josh Allen prove it for one more year before giving him the big-time money. Liam, in or out? That is certifiably insane, and they should not do that. They should ink this man. Josh Allen has his <laughs> His accuracy issues are obviously well-founded. I'm not totally convinced that he has solved them to the level that he showed last year. All that said, he is better than anybody the Bills have had under center since Jim Kelly. Like, are you really? So here, you're the Bills, right? You're the Bills. If you don't sign Josh Allen to an extension this offseason, the best case scenario is that he's bad next year and you get him for a little bit less on the dollar or he gets hurt. And neither of those are actually good outcomes. You've found your horse. You have found the quarterback who will be on your team for the next 10 years if everything goes well. You do not need to cycle through any more J.P. Lossmans or Ryan Fitzpatrick's. Why tempt fate by being like, okay, well, let's see how you are next season. You got to sign that man to a deal. And that's before we even get into all the cap considerations about the fact that quarterback contracts just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just the simple fact of the matter is that the bills have been bad for a very long time. They have found somebody who can make them good. They should ride with it, ride or die with it. That's as simple as it is. Liam, you're out. You're done. You got it. Josh Allen, you're in. Ryan? I, I'm, I, I, think that they should absolutely pay him now because look what happened to the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. They wound up paying him about 70 million more guaranteed money than they would have if they signed him two years ago when they should have you, the longer you wait, the worse it is. Allen. Here's one thing that Liam didn't mention about Allen. He's also built to play outside in the cold. He's done it his whole life. This is a guy who is built to be the quarterback of the Bills. He threw the ball 572 times last year and completed 69.2% of his passes. He's been working with Brian Dayball, getting better, and he has improved. You have seen it on the field every year, a crazy improvement. He doesn't have to improve anymore, given how good he was last year, but he will. He's still young. The guy's only 25. He's going to be fine. And I think that they have to invest in him because like Liam said, one, the price is only going to go up, especially with, you know, the next level of quarterbacks coming. There's going to be a couple guys who signed before him if you wait a year, and that's just going to send those contracts even higher. And the other thing is the Bills are built to win now. You do not want friction in the locker room or with the front office while you are trying to win a Super Bowl. They are close right now. I don't know if they can beat the Chiefs, but they are closer than they have been in decades. They need to invest, lock this down, keep his weapons intact, and try and win over the next two, three years. My dream NFL scenario for this year, for the record, is Allen gets hurt, and somehow, some way, Mitchell Trubisky leads <laughs> the Bills to the glory and just see Chicago melt. That would be amazing. And I think the Bears, obviously, uh, you know, it was time. It was overtime. But yes. that would be ama- that would be really incredible if somehow Trubisky's good in Buffalo and after everything that happened in Chicago. 
Gentlemen, appreciate it. It's a double dose today, uh, although it doesn't feel that way on this podcast to anyone who's listening right now, but uh, these two did sport in order and now hanging out around for Stack in the Box as well. So, Liam, Ryan, thank you, and uh, you're awesome. And Stack in the Box, all of the Stack in the Box faithful, they thank you as well. Always a pleasure, Carm. Yep, always a pleasure coming on to talk, talk shop. There we go. See you guys. All right. We'll come back and wrap up the show next. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Thanks for checking out Stack in the Box. Thanks to Dogs of War. Thanks to my guys Ryan and Liam. And uh, thanks to Sean Daly, as always. Uh, producing stack in the box verram is back next week we always do what's going on right now and i have acquired a puppy who is now has an official name of poppy the puppy and poppy the puppy was a complete nightmare an absolute disaster at the start not poppy the puppy's fault but completely my fault that I did not know the level of attention a puppy needs, that you literally have a puppy who's a baby who needs to get up at 2 in the morning to go to the bathroom and then perhaps again at 5 and then is eating everything on the floor and then is vomiting and is looking at you and you can't communicate because it's a dog and it doesn't say anything, which would be similar to a baby that's not saying anything either. Uh, and I realize that humans are a bigger lift than than animals, but it's still a lift that I was not ready for. But Poppy has actually settled in. She's sleeping from uh, a good 11 o'clock at night till 7. She wakes up in the morning, rolls over onto her back, and lets me do a belly rub. It's a very sweet start to the day. So I want everybody to know who listens to Stack in the Box that I have made it through the worst parts of puppydom. I have grown as a human being. I have learned a lot. I apologize for taking out any anger on Poppy the Puppy. Not that I really ever did that, but I probably said some things that I shouldn't have said, knowing that Poppy the Puppy would not understand. And uh, in the end, I think I've become a better human being, which hopefully will help me on stacking the box as we go through the football season. So you can be that much more confident every week you're listening that you have a more grounded, mature, yet still entertaining calm to take you through your football season along with Matt Verderam, who returns next week. Thank you for listening to Stag in the Box. Liking, subscribing, rating, comments on puppies. Everything is encouraged. We'll see you next week.